this has been great. I've been blessed, and it's just been a wonderful whole program to enter into this Christmas story. Thank you for everyone who's participated uh, so far. So I just want to share a quick thought with you. Um, have you ever been in the situation where you were waiting for someone to apologize? Do you know what that's like? Maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, or I know one of your classmates, and they did or said something that you knew was wrong. It was just wrong, and you were completely right. Like you hadn't provoked it, you hadn't done anything, you know, to to deserve what happened, and so it was really easy for you to justify waiting, waiting for them to come to you and say those words, "I'm sorry." Waiting like this can be kind of miserable, actually, right? It's almost, it's almost like, you know, your arms are crossed and maybe your foot's tapping a little bit and, and you're waiting for them to come and give you this apology that you're entitled to. It can be a miserable place to be in. And what happens when that person who has wronged you doesn't come to where you are, doesn't stop what they're doing and doesn't come to, to you and 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 say those words of apology. How long, how long are you going to keep waiting? The Christmas story tells us how God responds to those who wrong him. Now, if anyone is justified in waiting for people to come and say, I'm sorry, it's God, right? He's, he's done nothing wrong. Think of a, a few examples. Created a perfect world, put Adam and Eve in it, and... God did, no, did nothing wrong, and yet Adam and Eve, they messed it up. They did wrong. After sin entered the world, things went from bad to worse, and so God comes to Noah and says, hey, let's restart. Let's, let's have a, a clean reset. But things continued to get worse. Then God chose Abraham and gave special favor to Abraham and his descendants. Through Moses, he gave the people of Israel protection and provision. He gave them his precepts in the, in the Ten Commandments, and yet they continued to turn their backs on him. And so he sent prophets to help them see that they were wrong and, and that God is right. And he said to them, you know, when you guys turn from me, this is what it feels like. It feels like you're cheating on me. It feels like you're going after other lovers. From a human standpoint, God should have been completely offended, and justifiably so. But that's not what love does. God's love doesn't get offended. And that's a really good thing, because once we've done wrong, once the human race entered into this whole thing with sin, and we chose to do what was wrong, and it's been passed down from generation to generation, once we got ourselves in this predicament, it takes a hold of our lives. It's, it's like we're slaves to wrong. There's nothing we can do to, to get rid of it. Even if we wanted to stop, even if we try to stop, we cannot make things right. And the Christmas story tells us that in our hopeless condition, God came to be with us. He is Emmanuel. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, perhaps we'll get it up on the screen shortly, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, if you'd like to, to open, open up to it, page 1160, here the Apostle Paul explains what it meant for Jesus to come to this earth. I mean, what does this mean, this baby in this manger? Like, what is this, what is this all about? And in verse 19 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In other words, for our wrong, God was giving right. He was making us right with him in Christ, reconciling, making up the difference, paying the debt, coming in place of that which we, we entering into a place that we just cannot enter. He came to us where we are. I just love this about the Christmas stories that it tells us about a God who should be offended but is not, a God who has every right to wait for us to come to him and make things right and knows that we're completely incapable of doing it because we're slaves to sin, and so he comes way down to the lowest point where we are. God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God is not offended. God is not God is not flying off the handle because people have disrespected him, turned their backs on him. God is still passionately pursuing us to what extent that he would send his son to reconcile us to him. And in verse 21, he tells us how he does it. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin. Jesus didn't experience sin. He was was perfect completely innocent. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is described in the Ten Commandments. This is where he expresses his character to us, the righteousness of God. This is what God requires of us. Now, if if you're like me, I don't like the sound of that. This is what God requires of me, the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Without the Ten Commandments, our relationship with God and our relationship with others is wrong. It's, it's self-centered. It's, it's taking rather than giving. The Ten Commandments tells us what is required to live what is right and to avoid wrong. But get this. The righteousness that God requires is also the righteousness that he provides. That's what Jesus in the manger represents. God's saying, I know you don't do it. I know you can't get it. I know you can't make it right, and so I'm going to provide the righteousness for you. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for me and be sin for you. That's how far down he came. Why? So that he could provide the righteousness that you and I need to live right, to live in relationship with God and relationship with others. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Not only did he come to to live on this earth, but he became a human being. He became with us in our humanity. He came to trade us his right for our wrong. And when we accept this gift, it changes how we relate to other people. I think this is the real big thing of the Christmas story, how we relate to those people who have wronged us. 
No longer do we have to live waiting for an apology. Now we can be free from this hostage situation where we're held hostage by resentment, hostage by the wrongs that other people have done to us. We can now be free when we accept the gift of Christ. We can be free to experience the joy of giving love to other people. The gift of Christ shows us a better way to live. And whether people treat us right or not, the gift of Jesus makes us right with God. And when we are right with God, we all of a sudden have access to infinite resources when it comes to the spiritual life, infinite resources of love, infinite resources of forgiveness, so that we are actually empowered to love other people regardless of how they treat us. With God, we need no apology before we can live free to love others. He has paid their debt, and he has paid our debt too. God is with us, and because God is with us, we can be in relationship with him, and we can be in relationship with other people. As family, we can say and do things that hurt each other. There can be distance. And sometimes we feel that at Christmas time. We feel that when we gather as family. When we receive the gift of Christ, we don't have to wait with our arms crossed and foot tapping for the other person to make it right. I want to encourage you to do that this Christmas. There's someone that has wronged you. Love them. You can reach out to them because God has reached out to you and you didn't deserve it. We can show that same grace to other people. And I think these relationships that we get to experience with fallible human beings is perhaps the best gift of all. I'd like to invite you to turn in your hymnals to hymn number 122, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs> 